there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! brand new series today entitled uh, Christmas uh, Presents. Now there's a lot of talk this time of year about presents that come in packages when everyone's trying to go out and they're trying to find the perfect gift. But this time of year we also talk uh, about the concept of Emmanuel. That is God with us. We, we talk about his presence among us. And so we're starting this new series today called Christmas Presents, and take note of the spelling. Uh, We're going to talk more about the presence of God than we are gifts that we open. But I want you to think for a minute. Think think about uh, when you were a child, when you were a kid. Uh, for, For me, anyway, Christmas was all about the presents. It was all about the gifts. Uh, My children, all five of them, get excited uh, during this time of year for Christmas uh, they all have their Amazon wish list, uh, you know, already out, and it gets longer and longer each day. Um, when, when I was a kid, that's all I could think about. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, so Christmas for me was about presents. Uh, I grew up in a poor family, so we didn't get presents at all uh, year, year long, uh, and Christmas was the only day uh, that I got to open anything. So I was always overly excited. I was a hyperactive kid. I was a hard kid to deal with, um, and I, I feel so sorry for my parents sometimes. Um, I remember one Christmas I couldn't sleep. It was Christmas Eve. I was in third or fourth grade, and, and I couldn't sleep. And I laid there and tossed and turned, and wake, uh, you know, I would wake up every 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I, I woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. I mean, I was wide awake. And so I laid there for probably about an hour, and then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go out and see if Santa has made his delivery. I want to see if there are Christmas presents under the tree. And so I remember creeping out of my room. We lived in a little apartment uh, and walking down the hall and walking into the living room, but it was pitch dark. I I couldn't see and I was kind of fumbling around uh, and I didn't want to turn any lights on because I didn't want to wake up my mother. And so uh, I turned the TV on. Now, this is late 70s, early 80s, right? And uh, the TV, it didn't go all night long. Around 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, they would play the national anthem, and then they would sign off. And so all you had was a, a screen full of static, all right? Almost like poltergeist, right? Um, and so I turned the TV on, and the, and the static started to dance And I saw under the tree all of these presents. And it was like the static was dancing on the presents and the presents were saying, come here, come to me, come here. And so for a long time, I just sat there and I just looked and I just couldn't wait uh, for my parents to get up. I, I just wanted to open a present so bad. So I thought to myself, one present won't hurt. I'm just gonna open one. And so I creeped there under the tree and and grabbed a present. I couldn't read whose name was on it. And I began to open it and I opened it and it was a gift for me and it was satisfying. And I thought to myself, well, why stop now? 
And so I, one present turned into two, two turned into three, three turned into every present that was given to me and every present that was under the tree. I opened them all. And then I fell asleep on the floor. Only to be awakened by a very, very, I'll say, disappointed mom. She didn't get to see, see me open anything. But Christmas presents were a big deal to me when I was a child. We would go over to my grandmother and granddaddy Barton's house, and they had five children, and, and all their children, including my dad, had children. And so there were, it was a, a huge ordeal every Christmas. And uh, my grandmother would buy like three presents for each grandchild. So, I mean, it just looked like Santa had dumped his whole sleigh in her living room. And, I, you know, all I wanted to do was hurry up and eat. I didn't care about dessert because I wanted to sit under that tree as Grandma started handing out presents. Um, it was a big deal to me. So when we're young, we focus a lot on the Christmas presents, on the gift. But you may experience this, and I'm sure some of you have. As you get older, that changes. It's not about the presence, as in the gifts. It becomes more about the presence, the presence of people, the presence of close friends and family members. Uh, I have never seen my, my grandfather was the most joyous man alive, but I have never seen him happier than he was on Christmas Day. Because we, all the kids would come over and all the grandkids would come over and we would have this huge spread of food. And before we ate, my grandfather would always lead in prayer, but he would say the same thing every Christmas. He would say, man, I am so blessed to have all five of my children and their spouses and my, all of my grandchildren here. It just doesn't get any better than that. Because as you get older, it becomes more about the presence of people. Well, this is the avenue we want to ride through this series. The idea that God is with us, that God is present in our lives. Uh, you hear this scripture read a lot, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, this time of year, which says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, a lot of people say, wait a minute, I thought his name was Jesus. What's this Emmanuel about? Well, look what it says, they shall, future tense. What do we call him today during this season? Emmanuel, which means God with us. I remember being a child and my grandmother, as I told you, would, would go all out for Christmas and, and I didn't have any money and I didn't have a job when I was eight years old. And so, uh, you know, and, and I wasn't very creative in, in making cards and stuff. So I would apologize to her. I would say, Grandma, I'm so sorry that I didn't have any money to get you a gift. And she would say the same thing year after year after year. She would always say, that's okay, honey. Your presence is my present. And I, I know you've heard that before, but that's the beautiful gift of Christmas, that God is with us, that Jesus walked and talked and lived in this world. God is with us. His presence is our present. This is a funny time of year, right? Because you have so many people that are that like, it's, it's like their Super Bowl. 
Like you, some of you have, de- you put up 29 trees in your house already. I mean, it is just a big deal for you. And, and I think we all would desire to have that postcard Christmas, right? Kind of like we, we want our Christmas to look like a Norman Rockwell painting. You know what I'm talking about? So, you know, we want to wake up in a winter wonderland and we think and we hope and we pray it's Christmas day. So all should be right with the world. And then we think about, well, we're going to go to uh, over to our family's house or our friend's house, and we're going to have a Christmas dinner with all of our family there, and there's not going to be any drama at all. And then we think we want the Norman Rockwell Christmas. We think, well, our kids are going to wake up and they're going to peer out the window and they're going to be eternally thankful and grateful and they're going to be well-behaved all day long. You see, we all want that type of Christmas. I don't know how it plays out in your life, but that's not exactly how Christmas plays out for most people, is it? And the reason why is that life is chaotic. And for many people, Christmas just adds to the chaos. For you, maybe Christmas equals chaos. You're already worn out in Hiram, going up and down the strip, trying to find the perfect gift for everyone on your list, and it's just chaotic. Or you're trying to figure out everyone's schedule. Like we've got school Christmas dinners and we've got church Christmas functions and we've got the, the things at my office and at her office and, and, and your, your schedules this time of year are just extremely chaotic. Maybe Christmas dinner is chaotic for you, right? So you have that sister or that brother that you don't like and they don't like you and you know you're going to be forced to sit by them at a table and break bread with them. Uh, or, or perhaps you're there and grandma will just not be quiet about her bursitis. She's going on and on and on. Or we all have that uncle, right? That uncle that shows up on Christmas Day and all he wants to talk about is politics. And so there you are trying to enjoy your Christmas and crazy Uncle Ned is, and, and, and to make it worse, he's a Democrat and you're a Republican or he's a Republican, you're a Democrat. And so you don't agree. And there's all kinds of chaos and division at the table, which is supposed to be a peaceful family dinner. For some of you, maybe this is your first Christmas alone. Maybe this is your first Christmas as a divorced person. Or maybe this is your first Christmas with an empty seat around your table because someone you loved has passed away. Maybe your children aren't even speaking to you on Christmas Day. Maybe the economy has you wondering, how in the world am I going to make all of this work? You see, there is chaos that often accompanies Christmas. And this is where we want to land this morning. God with us. We say that, we sing about it, but my question is, do we really believe it? Because when life becomes chaotic, when our life fills up with chaos, many of us begin to wonder, is God really still with me? Because I I, I don't see him, I don't hear him, I don't feel him, what's going on? My life is just chaos. Well, this morning's message is entitled, God with us in the chaos of life. And what I want to do to kick this series off is I want to look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I want you to think about this just just to start. 
She was just doing her own thing, man. She was living her life, and then an angel shows up, and her life becomes complete chaos. Who knew that carrying the Savior of the world in her womb would turn her world upside down? So let's read about it. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke. Oh, I did something different, and feel free to get up. I know not, I'm old school, and I, I can't hardly see, and so I can't take notes on my phone. So where the communion is, I printed some, some outlines for you. If you're a note taker and you want to do that, feel free to, uh, to grab it. We're going to try it and see how many trees we can kill. All right, so I'm just joking. Luke chapter 1, uh, we'll pick up in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed. Let me just stop right there. Uh, That word betrothed, we we would use the word engaged, but it it is far deeper than than an engagement. Uh, If you were betrothed, you were promised to somebody else. It was a legal binding contract. So if an engagement doesn't work out today, what happens? You say, here you go, here's your ring back, I don't, you know... I don't want to be with you. And then the relationship's over, right? But in that culture, if you were engaged, if you were betrothed and you didn't want to be, you had to go through divorce proceedings just like you were married. Okay, so she is, she is spoken for <clears throat> to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And let me just stop right there and say this. Mary was just a plain, ordinary Jewish girl from a small village. Uh, Many scholars believe when you look at the culture, she was probably a teenager when she was engaged. She was betrothed to Joseph. And, you know, a lot of people speculate that maybe Joseph was older than her. There's no proof to that. I like to imagine in my own mind that they kind of grew up together in in, in the village and they knew each other, uh, which they probably did. Their families were close. Verse 28. And he, the angel, came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, and we always stop here when we say this, Do not be afraid. We make the point that an angel, when it appears to a human being, always kind of starts with that, that verbiage. Do not be afraid. Because this isn't an angel. Angels were warriors, are warriors of God. That's what they are. That's what they were created to be. They're God's warriors. And so <clears throat> get this picture of like the, the little angel, the, 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 the lady on top of your tree that's playing a harp with wings and beautiful blonde hair. Looks like a human with wings. Uh, that, that, that's not what appeared to Mary. Get the toilet paper babies all out of your mind with the wings, the little chubby babies. No, uh, this was a, a warrior of God. And when people encountered angels, they were always terrified. So the angel's calming her down, says, listen, don't be afraid because I'm about to give you some news and I don't want you to be so afraid that you don't understand what I'm saying. He says, Mary, you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Excuse me, I got to put these on for a second. Um, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his, in his kingdom, there will be no end. Let me push the pause button one more time. 
Um, when you study Jewish history, this would be a dream come true for any Jewish girl who ever lived in that time. Every girl wanted to grow up and be the mother of the Messiah, okay? But I want you to notice, I want you to notice Mary's reaction. She didn't uh, throw a party. Here's what she says, verse 34. Then Mary said to, to the angel, how will this be? In other words, how, how can I be pregnant since I am a virgin? Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative in her old age, relative, her name was Elizabeth, that would be the mother of John the Baptist, in, in, in her old age is with child, for she was barren. For nothing, verse 37, will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. <clears throat> Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I, just stop for a minute, and I want you to think about how chaotic this must have been for Mary. I mean, she was a young girl. She was planning her wedding to her betrothed one. She had her whole life in front of her. She was going to marry the man she loved. She was going to start a life together, a family together, living in the community of Nazareth. Now her world is in chaos. What are people going to say? She's pregnant, but that's not Joseph's. What's Joseph going to say? Can you, can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Joseph, can you come in here? We need to talk. Um, I'm pregnant. And, you know, what's Joseph's first thought? I knew that guy at the well was eyeing you up. I knew it. No, 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 Joseph. It's God's. I mean, can, can you imagine how hard that would be for, for Mary, how her world was just turned upside down? But in this chaos, Jesus is conceived in her womb. Emmanuel, God with us, was here. And this is the beginning of the Christmas presents. I want to talk about you for a minute. Maybe your life is pure chaos right now. Uh, maybe you're a wreck. Things aren't going according to your plan. I mean, for some of you, uh, you don't look forward to the Christmas season. You're just trying to endure the Christmas season, right? Well, you pick the right Sunday to come in here if that's you. Because here's what I want you to understand. In your chaos, in the chaos of life, God is still present. God is still with you. He's still here. You can experience the present, the pre God's presence in the chaos of life. Mary's life was turned upside down, but she knew that God was with her. So if you have those outlines, if you don't, that's okay. It's going to come up on the screen. I, I just want to give you five things to remember this Christmas season when your life becomes chaotic. And we're going to take it from this story of Mary here. Five things to remember when life is chaotic. Number one is simply this. And don't underestimate this one. You can be highly favored and still have trouble with what God is telling you. 
Let me say that again because I think it's important. You can be highly favored in the will and the graces and, 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 and expect the riches of God and still have trouble with what God is telling you. Look at verse 28 and 29 of the text we just read. The angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one. Some of your translations are going to say, You who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But look at Mary's response, verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. See, verse 28 says Mary was favored by God. So the question is, why was Mary favored by God? I think it's very simple. We don't have to overcomplicate it at all. Her heart was pure. That's it. There was nothing special about her. She wasn't rich. She wasn't famous. She wasn't a great prophetess or priest. She was just an ordinary Galilean girl. What made her favored was her heart. And what makes you favored by God is that your heart has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You're a child of God, and if you're a child of God, you're highly favored. But look at verse 29 again. She, she was greatly troubled at what he was saying. You know, if, if you go through struggles in life, be it of your own doing or living in just a fallen, cursed world, if you go through struggles, if you struggle, if you, have, if you have trouble with what God wants you to do, it doesn't mean you lose his favor. God's love doesn't operate like that. God's love is unconditional. Here's what I'm trying to say, and I want you to understand. You can be in God's good graces and still have a hard time with what he's telling you to do. Absolutely. You can still not fully understand why you're going through whatever it is you're going through. Just go back to the Old Testament for a second. Think about Abraham and Isaac. When God said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac up on the hill and I want you to sacrifice him. Do you think Abraham had some trouble with that? I'm sure he did, but he was still favored by God. Think about Moses. Moses was tending sheep, and God said, listen, you're going to go to the most evil, powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, and you're going to demand to set my people free. And Moses says, I can't do that. I have a, uh, I have a stuttering problem. I, I can't speak. And God said, no, you're going, to, you, you, you're going to do it. Think about Jesus in the garden. Jesus said, God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. In other words, God, I'm not sure I really want to do what you're telling me to do. If there's another way, let's go down that avenue. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So, so this is us. And here's what I want you to understand. If, if God is telling you to walk towards chaos, do it. You may not understand. You may not agree. But you can be favored and still struggle. All right, number two. What we call interruptions, I think God calls invitations. And think about that for a minute. There, there, there is no doubt that this was a huge interruption in Mary's life. No doubt. Look at verses 30 through 33 again. The angel said, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Okay, here's where the trouble comes. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. He'll be the son of the Most High, and he'll be on the throne of David, and he'll rule in the house of Jacob forever. So 
we can view this as an interruption to Mary's life, or we can, imbue, we can view this as an invitation by God to Mary for something greater. And I think more often than not, when God interrupts our plans with an invitation for something better, uh, we panic, right? But God does that all the time. Think about Moses in the burning bush. He interrupted Moses with his burning, talking bush. He interrupted Jonah's life with a big fish. He interrupted Saul's life with a blinding light. And I think too often we shake off his invitations because they're an interruption to the way we have our life planned out. This is the course I'm going to go, God. Don't interrupt me, right? Well, maybe, think about this. Maybe this Christmas season is chaos for you. But maybe the chaos is God's invitation to you for something better, something bigger, something greater in your life. Maybe God's inviting you to finally make amends with that brother or that sister that you can't stand. Maybe that's the invitation. Hey, Christmas dinner is going to be chaotic, but I want you to understand it's an invitation to make amends. Maybe God's inviting you to engage with and pray for that uncle who only wants to talk about politics. Maybe he's inviting you to help that single mother this, this Christmas. Maybe he's inviting you to tell, tell your spouse that I am sorry. See, we view what we view as interruptions, God views as invitations. So before I came to work here, I was a school teacher, <laughs> which is crazy. And uh, I, I remember being at, at a middle school, the middle school that I taught, I was, I was walking in one day, I'll never forget it, and I was interrupted on my way in. I was interrupted on my way into school by a man named Jeff LeMay. Now, many of you don't know Jeff LeMay. Jeff LeMay used to be an elder here at the church. Uh, he and his wife, Laura, they moved away. But I'm walking into school, uh, you know, just thinking about, you know, teaching science. And I hear, hey, Kevin. And I look over and there's Jeff LeMay. His daughter was in my class. And he interrupted my day and he simply said, hey, I, I, I want to talk to you. I'm here on behalf of the elders of what we were called East Paulding Christian Church back then, of East Paulding, and we want you to be our youth minister. And my first thought was, ain't no way, no way, because I had worked at a church before. And this is a funny thing about church people. They're sinful too, right? <laughs> and I found that out. I was like, ah, well, I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. Well, well, long story short is that small interruption absolutely changed the course of my life. Here I am over 21 years later at the same place. So what we view as interruptions, God often views as invitations. Number three, God's purpose is often different than our plans. Think about it. Mary was in the middle of looking at centerpiece settings, at flower arrangements, Every, you know, Jerusalem bridal times, you know, she had it delivered. She was thumbing through, looking for the perfect outfit. She was planning this wedding, and then in an instant, all those plans went down the drain. You know what you don't read about in the Bible? You don't read about Mary and Joseph's wedding, do you? Mm -mm. Uh, allow me to just say something that it's not doctrinal. But what was Jesus' first miracle? Does anyone know? He turned water into wine. Where was that at? It was at a wedding feast. Now, in that story, 
Who was the most upset? Mary. And I could only think that Mary was thinking, I know what it's like to have your big day ruined. I'm not going to let this happen. Jesus, please do something, you know, for, for this lady. Because she knew her plans were just totally interrupted. Her plan was to marry Joseph, to settle down, to have a bunch of little carpenter children, to take over the family business, and then to die an old lady. Look at verses 34 through 36. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's a great question. We don't have time for that. Uh, the angel answered her. <laughs> when I, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, so like when I was on like kid number three, everyone was like, you know what calls us that, right? So anyway, so anyway how can this be I, I'm, since I'm a virgin? Uh, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, a child will be born, be called the Holy Son of God. And behold, your relative, this old lady of yours, this, in her old age, she's also conceived a son. And he has been in the womb for six months. Um, my old buddy, Alan McKever, says this a lot. Is he, he's Alan here, and he's not here today. Uh, he says this a lot. Uh, he says, uh, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. And, and, I, and I, I love that. And, and here's what I would just have you remember, simply this. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is our responsibility. Mary just obeyed. This wasn't in her plan. She didn't dream about this, but yet she remained obedient. So when God's purposes interferes with your plan, how do you react? Number four, this is, this is an easy point. And, and I hope you believe this. Nothing is impossible with God. This is what the angel says. When Mary says, how's this going to be? I'm a virgin. And you're talking about my relative Elizabeth, who's like really old and, you know, well past childbearing years. What, what, here's what the angel says, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. So I was a um, <clears throat> basketball player. And uh I played at a very low-level college, Mid-Atlantic Christian University. Uh, I started on the team, and, you know, I was one of the semi-good players on the team. Uh, but that is as far as I could get. I could never make it to Division I uh, basketball. I could play at this little Bible college. Now, would you imagine, if you, if you would, that the Atlanta Hawks call me today? And they say, Kevin, listen, Trey Young is hurt. We need you to come. You, we got a uniform for you. You're starting tonight. Tell your church to turn on the Valley Sports Network because you're in the starting lineup. How impossible would that be? I'm 51. I might make it up and down the court twice, and then I'm, I'm done. I'm out, right? That's just, it, it would be absolutely impossible. But even far more improbable than that is a virgin with a child. For nothing is impossible with God. And so if you're in here this morning and you're asking yourself, how's this marriage going to work? I want you to remember, nothing is impossible with God. If you're in here and you say, man, how in the world am I going to ever get a hold or beat this addiction? Nothing 
is impossible with God. If you're in here and you say, how can I forgive this family member that really hurt me? I just can't find it. I can't find the strength within myself. Nothing is impossible with God. And so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, what is God asking you to do or believe right now? Maybe it's to start a ministry. Maybe it's to join a ministry. Maybe it's to go back to college. Maybe it's to reach out to someone. Maybe it's to finally break up with that person who you know is toxic. Maybe it's to change their direction in your career or face your addiction or try to mend your relationship with your dad or try to cultivate your dead marriage. Nothing is impossible with God. Maybe you cannot manage the chaos in your life But friends, God certainly can because nothing is impossible with him. Number five, finally, if life is chaotic, remember who you are and remember whose you are. Maybe life is chaotic for you because you just don't have any identity, right? You know who you are. You don't know who you are. You don't really fit in. You ask the question, why am I even here? And your life is just one big identity crisis. You're never going to know who you are until you first realize whose you are. This was a lot for Mary to take in, as we can all imagine. But she knew whose she was. Look at her response in verse 38. To me, this is the pinnacle of the story. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Whose I am, who I belong to, helps define who I am. Mary realized that she belonged to God. She said, hey, I'm a servant of God. It was a very selfless attitude. (laughs) That's not exactly the attitude of the culture we live in today, is it? Not not, not at all. I'm going to do something weird, and you're you're used to it. Um, In just a second here, I'm going to show you two commercials. And uh, they're, they're both from Burger King, all right? Uh, and listen, this is not an indictment on Burger King. Uh, their food is an indictment on Burger King. I'm just, no, this is an indictment on Burger King. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can eat a Whopper with, with the best of them. But, but I, I want you to show something because in the late 70s, like you could go to a restaurant and if you got a burger, you got what you got, right? There was no special orders. And so in an attempt to kind of to, to kind of overtake McDonald's, uh, Burger King came out with a slogan. And what was it? You know what it is? Okay, so uh, this commercial is just comical. Let me watch this real quick, and then I'm going to come back and talk and we'll watch another one. Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors, and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made 
one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your grilled beef Whopper fresh with everything on top of any way you think is proper. Have it your way. Now, that's the way to do things, our way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. Okay, uh, what, what gets me every time when I watch that commercial is, you know, the lady just asked for an extra squirt of ketchup. And she, they're like, sure. And you, it's like she won the lottery. You know, but so that was Burger King's message, right? Like, hey, we'll do things your way. And that was just a microcosm when you study the times of culture begin to shift into this narcissistic culture that we've become. That it's, it's all about me. So Burger King, and again, I, I, I'm not against Burger King at all. Um, Burger King just forked out $400 million dollars for a new advertising campaign. And if you've been watching football, college football, pro football, and, and, and if you don't flip and you leave it on, you've you probably seen more Burger King commercials than you've ever seen in your life. They have changed the slogan from have it your way uh, to another slogan. And listen, I love this commercial. Uh, I'm gonna, it's going to be all I can do not to dance over here. Um, but I want you to see the new commercial because I want you to see the new slogan, all right? So check this out. I do things the way I want to do them. Make my own rules and listen to them. Won't let anyone go and rain on my parade. You know. I think I want a flame grill classic. A Whopper sure does sound fantastic. I tell them how I want to have it. They say okay. You roll your season the day. After church, you can literally ask my wife, I have been singing this ditty for three weeks now. And it may seem subtle to you, but the shift that Burger King is offering is the shift in our culture. It's no longer, hey, we, we might try to accommodate you. We'll put a little extra ketchup on here. No, yeah, the, the, new, the new message of our culture is, is I rule. It's about me. My opinion is always right. And I'll kick you off Facebook if you don't agree with me, right? My opinion is always right. That's why I'm not on Facebook. Everyone kick me off. <laughs> Things should be done in a way so they always work out for me. It is my life. I rule. I'm not going to be subservient to God. I'm going to do what I plan to do. It is my way or the highway. Your way is the only way. And in your eyes, your way is the right way. And it's all about you. Here's, here's the truth. 
If you're living in chaos right now, it might simply be because you believe you rule. And you are not capable of managing your own life. Did you know that? Neither am I. That's why God sent a Savior to the world. Notice Mary's response again. Like, you just threw chaos into my life, God. And I'm still trembling from this angel, and I'm still in my head kind of figuring out how in the world I'm going to give birth. I don't understand it, but her response was, I am a servant of the Lord. In other words, I belong to you. She knew who she was because she knew whose she was. Maybe you stepped in here this morning and this is just the beginning of the chaos because it's just the beginning of December and Christmas is going to be chaotic for you. Here's what I would say. Welcome to the club, man. Welcome to the club. What I want you to know this morning as we close out is that even amongst all of this chaos, just like with Mary, God is still present. He's still here and he loves you so, so much. That's why we have Christmas. He sent Jesus to be born so Jesus could die. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.